0: Welcome to Varsity Videos, brought to you by the OHIO Podcast. Here at Varsity Videos, we review and rank films from the Super Bowl to the Toilet Bowl. I am your host, the Prince of Popcorn, Chris Wiles, a sports fan, movie buff, and wannabe podcaster. And today, I am joined by my co-host, the Sultan of Cinema, Eric Boggs. Eric, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, Well, I tell you, I just had a bowl of popcorn right before we got started, so I'm feeling kind of, uh, can we say, cheesy?
0: All right, so a little bit of cheesy corn. How'd that work out for you?
1: Worked out great. Fits right in with today's movie.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, Eric, last time you brought us one of the greatest sports films of all time in Field of Dreams. And this week, well, I didn't. However, before we dive into this week's film, which, as 80s cheesy sports action goes, isn't too bad, uh, we do need to start out with a little bit of movie news, and I'm going to go ahead and dive into that right now. So, Eric, I don't know if you are aware of this yet, but on June 24th of this year, Disney Plus released Rise. Now, Rise is based on the real-life story of the Anikapu- katan Giannis' family. There we go. <laughs> I could never pronounce his last name. But as you know, Giannis, his brother Thanasis and Costas, uh, are the first trio of brothers in NBA history to ever be NBA champions. And this film kind of is a synopsis of their life and how they got to where they were going. Uh, of course, Giannis and his brother, Fantasis, uh, won with the Milwaukee Bucks. Costas is a member of the LA Lakers. Now, Eric, I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and watch the whole film yet to be a hundred percent honest. Um, and I'll be honest, I have not heard of a single actor in this film. And you know what? I am not going to give our friend Aaron a uh, chance to rank us even higher on the uncultured swine list by trying to pronounce their names.
1: <laughs> Probably but smart of you.
0: Let me tell you if the trailer is any indication, then I think this is going to be another slam dunk for Disney. Uh, have you had a chance to see this or uh, view a trailer for it or anything yet?
1: I have seen the trailer <clears throat> on Disney, so it looks it looks interesting. It kind of reminds me of a mix between the air up there and the one we just talked about with Adam Sandler in it. Um, hustle. Hustle, yeah. I always called it the Scout, but it's Hustle. It kind of feels like – I feel like a little bit of a mix between the two.
0: yeah. Uh, Well, again, I think it looks like it's going to be a really good one. And I think I'm going to view it sooner rather than later. So that takes care of our movie news this week, Eric, which brings to just a little bit of business we have to go uh, into before we uh, start this week's movie. And that is uh, uh, continuing with our 64 movie bracket challenge. Yes. Uh, Eric, we're kind of nearing the conclusion of this year's tournament. So. Yep. Why don't you fill us in on what we're looking at like, looking at this week? Yes,
1: yeah, so let's do the second half of the sweet sixteen. That is where we're at. After tonight's results, Chris, we would be down to the great eight or the two top and films. Boy, these in are
0: some good movies. What's that? These are some really good movies this
1: week. Oh this my week. gosh. This was probably one of the better weeks we've had in voting and and the and, and varsity video history as far as just the good the, 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 the strong movies plus the the voting was really tight on on several of them so let's dive right in let's start with the olympic bracket first okay Excellent. Excellent. All right. So number three, The Miracle from 2004 takes on number seven, The Cutting Edge from 1992. I I got a hand miracle for Kurt Russell's performance of Herb Brooks. There's so many iconic uh, moments in this movie, but I think my all time favorite one is after they lose. He puts them on the line after a game. Uh, to do, I guess you could say some punishment, yeah. uh, and 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 there's the again, again, again scene that might be my favorite from that movie. Uh, what do you think? And what's your favorite scene from *The Marigold? Well, Other,
0: that's, that's, that's definitely mine. Of- I talked about that numerous times when we reviewed uh, have reviewed this movie before. Uh, you know that scene is just um, it's amazing, and it just seems so realistic. You know, I could see a coach doing that. Um, Yeah, for me, that's definitely my favorite scene. Um, You know, and I do give it the edge because, A, it is a true story. uh, And I do really, really love Kurt Russell's performance in this. And the cutting edge is good. I really love the story and the cutting edge. um, Not just the actual. uh, The the story, uh, you know, the love story aspect of it. But just the the whole concept of the movie and the, the chemistry the actors have are, is tremendous as well, but mm-hmm. it's just not miracle
1: no it's not and uh you know there's a lot of scenes inside cutting edge that are that are really good um but I'm with you it I'm definitely going with miracle here in this one and we weren't alone um by eighty eight eighty eight percent to uh looks like twelve by a vote of sixteen to two. Miracle's going to get to move on. All right, let's move on to the next Olympic films Ooh. bracket, this one. This one is number one seated, I, Tonya from 2017, number 4 seated, Cool Runnings. You couldn't get two more opposite films, in my opinion, than these two, man, even though they both can kind of be considered <laughs> comedy. One is a straight-up comedy movie, while the other one is more of a docu-film that happens to just be funny because of just the sheer madness. It's a
0: much darker comedy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, Tanya is great. It has got cinematically. It is gorgeous to look at the actors and actresses in this, uh, I think had tremendous performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret Robbie as Tanya is just absolutely outstanding. Uh, and then the actress who plays her mother, uh, which I think was Julian Nicholson, pff, or, or Allison J- Janie. Oh, Janie. Allison Janie. Oh, my gosh. The way she transformed herself is just unbelievable. And Paul Walter is in this film, who's one of my favorite actors currently. So I, Tanya has just got some tremendous performances, a great story, and just a very unique way to present that story. Cool nice. Runnings, on the other hand, Chris, an absolute comedy classic. Whenever John Candy's in there, you know it's going to be good. Dougie Doug, man, is sink of coffee. It's hilarious, absolute hilariousness, and the fact that this is an, based on an actual true story from the Olympics back, I believe, in the eighties, just makes it absolutely iconic to me. This is really tough for me to choose.
0: If I remember right, Eric, this was the same uh, Olympics that uh, Eddie the Eagle came out of, was it not? Cool it
1: Olympics. was. You are absolutely right. Yeah.
0: The, the Calgary Olympics, yeah yeah i mean abs- i i am with you, I think that cinematically itanya is you know definitely the superior film, but cool runnings is comedy gold uh you know I love this film i love the little the little catchy phrases in there, I love the chemistry between uh Dougie Doug and uh, the gentleman who plays uh Le- is it Leon i believe it, is the
1: uh but, yeah, uh uh Doris Ban uh Band, Yes, Yeah.
0: Uh they they have great chemistry together. Uh the comedic um uh, inter- interactions between those two and between Candy uh John Candy and Doris, just absolutely great. Um I think if I had to pick one to watch today, it would be Cool Runnings. Um, I think it's just a great feel good story, and that scene where you know they wreck the the sled mm-hmm. and carry it across the it's
1: fence. iconic, isn't it?
0: It really. Is. I got to go. Cool Runnings here, Eric. Okay.
1: Yeah, I can't fault you. I I am as well. I'm gonna agree with you, but my gosh, is it close to for me? I think yeah. here's the thing. Based off the voting, people, you need you need to go watch Itania. I'm sorry. There's just not enough people who respect this film. And this was an absolute runaway by a vote of 42 to four. (laughs) Cool Runnings gets the win. Uh, Again, more of you need to go watch I, It is, there's a reason why more people than just sports fans say, this is a great film because it really is. It is a great film beyond the fact that it's considered a sports
0: film. Well, Cinematically, it may be one of the, top five films in the entire bracket or in, in the entire tournament. I I, I
1: I agree with you on that. Uh, which means if we pull open our um, Olympic bracket here, so that means number three Miracle and number four Cool Runnings will face off in the great eight to see who gets to go to the final four. And I, Tanya was the last number one seed, if I'm not mistaken, that was holding on other than Rocky II. And so... Another, another number one seed bites the dust and doesn't even get to the grade eight. Very, very interesting there. All right. Moving on to the best of the rest bracket. Oh, my gosh. Let's just do it, man. Number three, Bloodsport from 1988, taking on the Cinderella of this, although it's hard to call it a Cinderella, number 15 seed Radio from 2003. Bloodsport is... Although it's incredibly cheesy 80s, not not as cheesy as uh, the one we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, mind you. It has got to be one of the, if not the most popular martial arts movie maybe ever made. And I know Enter the Dragon's probably in that. Um, I don't know if you can consider Rambo a martial arts movie, but uh, Bloodsport definitely, I think, is the most iconic Jean-Claude Van Damme movie ever made. The fact – it's just got – it's got everything in it, including a young Forrest Whitaker, man. So great movie. And then radio. Who who doesn't tear up to radio, man? Cuban Gooding Jr.'s performance of a mentally handicapped man who who finds himself in the midst of a football team in school that allows him to reach his full potential in a time period where uh, these, these type of folks were not um, accepted – um as as well as they are today in general society, especially in that type of atmosphere where there's young men and uh, young girls and in a school, et cetera. I find this film incredibly charming, heartwarming, and is and to me, it's just it hits all the right all the right notes. Again, this is another difficult one for me because you know I love Blood sport man. Um, and if, and if I had to pick a film today, Chris, to watch for me, it's Bloodsport, but I think radio is the better film and is going to get my vote today.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, Bloodsport, I love it. Great action flick. Uh, but radio is just so strong. I mean, you have, you know, Ed Harris delivers a tremendous performance as the coach that, uh. The scene there where uh, he first meets radio and radio is trying to give him the football and, uh, you know, he, he, it's just it just hits something. It hits a chord with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think radio by far is the better film, even though I'm with you. If I had to choose one to throw in the, the DVD player to watch today, it's going to be Bloodsport. I got to go with radio here.
1: Oh, all right. So I have some news for you. By a vote of 14 to 11, very close vote, 56 to 44%, the fans went with Bloodsport. So our votes are going to override the fans here, and radio moves on to the grade 8, and Bloodsport bails out in the Sweet 16. All right, moving on, number four, Kingpin from 1996, a film that we highlighted uh, a few weeks ago or a few episodes ago. Against number nine seeded, Days of Thunder from 1990. Uh, Kingpin, I think, is hilarious. And I just want to say I think one of the most charming characters created in film has got to be Randy Quaid's Ishmael character. And Vanessa Angel is just absolutely glorious as gloriously looking, I should say, gorgeous as Claudia. And who doesn't love a little Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson? You know what I mean? This this film has got a lot of really good stuff in it and is one of the reasons why I think it is one of the best sports comedies ever made. Days of Thunder, this is it, I've heard it this be described as Top Gun with four wheels. And it's, again, another Randy Quaid movie here. And you've got yeah. Robert Duvall. you got the beautiful uh, Nicole Kidman. And, of course, Tom Cruise plays Cole Trickle. And I would go as far as to say this is probably, if not the best, motorsports NASCAR film ever made. So.
0: Oh no, that's that's awful big to throw out there. I know. Uh, it, be, you know,
1: I would NASCAR. I know, time. I know
0: you love De- Talladega Nights. I do. I actually got me old John C. Riley in Days of Thunder as well. You know. Yeah, he is. He, I think he's on the crew. He's on the pit crew, and I'll tell you, the pit crew Robert uh, Robert Duvall. I mean, come on, who doesn't Pro want chief. a crew chief like that? No kidding. Get Get out there and hit Get out there and hit the the, the pace car. The pace car. Right. You've hit everything else. What's yeah. just stay perfect?
1: Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Oh well, what do you think, man? Kingpin, Days of Thunder.
0: I love I love Kingpin. It, it's very funny. Um. I got to go Days of Thunder, Eric.
1: Mm, I'm kind of surprised you went that way. I am as well. I'm going to go Days of Thunder as well. I thought for sure you would go Kingpin. And here's what's interesting about this, Chris. This one ended up being a tie, 19 to 19, 50% split down the middle for Kingpin and Days of Thunder amongst the listeners. Our Votes of Days uh-huh. of Thunder takes it over the top and so we have a number 9 and a number 15 in the Great 8 and the best of the rest in Days of Thunder versus Radio.
0: You mean we almost had a coin flip for the Great 8?
1: Yeah, we did. That's what uh-huh. I was talking about. That's how close I thought for sure we were going to have to do that. So, all right, that means we have at least one movie to uh, rank and I think we have three to to re-rank if I'm not mistaken. Yes. All right, here we go. Let's start with The Cutting Edge. Let's add this film to our flick chart. And right off the bat, The Cutting Edge from 1992 against a 2014 film, Draft Day. It's Draft Day.
0: Oh, Draft Day.
1: All right. Up next from 1994, Little Giants.
0: You you know, I can't go against Little Giants, Eric. I can't do it. Cutting Edge is probably the better movie. It really is, but i got to go Little Giants.
1: All right. Uh, I'm going to agree with you today. Little Giants, it is. All right. Uh, Now, from 2002, Bend It Like Beckham. Cutting edge all day.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there.
1: From 1987, Teen Wolf 2. Again, I'm going to go Cutting Edge. Absolutely. From 2022, a new film from Netflix, Home Team, Chris
0: i, I got to go Cutting Edge here. I, I mean, I like Home Team, but I I, Cutting Edge is a better movie.
1: Cutting Edge moves on because I'm picking it as well. And now from 2005, Kicking and Screaming.
0: I love be some Mike Ditka, Eric. I really do. Give me some do. Ditka. <laughs> I'm going to take Ditka here. Oh, uh, All day long. Give me
1: Ditka. From 1986, rad. I'll take Cutting Edge.
0: Absolutely.
1: Cutting Edge now sits at number 102. We have 132 movies ranked. It's number 102. All right, I, is next. This was one film that we actually have ranked already. It is ranked pretty high, so let's see how it does. From 1985, Teen Wolf. Oh, man.
0: I, Tanya for me here.
1: I love Teen Wolf, but I got to agree. I, Tanya is definitely the better movie. From 2006, the original Cars. I'm going to go I-Tanya again. Me too. It's a better movie. From 1996,
0: Kingpin. Give me I-Tanya.
1: Uh, let's flip for it. You want heads or tails today?
0: I'll take tails.
1: Tails it is. I-Tanya moves on. From 1993, The Sandlot. Give me The Sandlot and don't even argue with me.
0: By the way, Eric, I, I bought myself a shirt a couple of weeks ago just because it, it was a Sandlot shirt, and, and I thought about you when I bought it. I'm going to go to the Sandlot. What was, what's the shirt? It's the one that says, uh, Legends Never Die.
1: <laughs> there you go. Major League from 1989. Oh, boy. Oh, give me
0: Major League. Major League.
1: We Are Marshall from 2006. Ooh. I actually think I, Tanya's is better.
0: I think you might be right, but I'm still going to make you flip for this one. OK,
1: fair enough. And looks like you're two for two. Tails, we are Marshall. From 1996, Happy Gilmore. Oh. I oh. I love Happy.
0: I've got to go Happy.
1: Yeah, I love Happy. Well, guess what? I Tanya started at number sixteen. It ends. At she number lands at number sixteen.
0: <laughs> so I'm no. just that, that's right then.
1: Yeah. All right. Next up is Bloodsport from 1988. Let's re rank him. All right. From 1985, Teen Wolf, give me Bloodsport.
0: Yep, I'm with you.
1: Cars from 2006. Bloodsport. Bloodsport. <laughs> Ford V Ferrari from twenty nineteen. Mm now we're getting tougher. Ooh. I still think blood sport's better, but it's close.
0: You know. I, I think I'm gonna go Ford V Ferrari, and this is why, Eric. Because not only do we have the racing, but we got a little fight scene in there as well.
1: <laughs> and you're three for three, Tails, Ford V Ferrari. I'm from go nineteen for the lottery. Yeah, from nineteen seventy-nine Rocky two. Oh man. Oh. Rocky two. Rocky 2. Yeah. From 2002, The Rookie. Hmm. I'm going to take Bloodsport.
0: I'm going to go The Rookie here.
1: You made me flip for it again? I am. Heads, finally. Bloodsport takes that one. From 2008, The Wrestler. That's an awful good movie. It is a good movie, but it's not Bloodsport.
0: I'm with you. It gets slow at times. I'm going to go Bloodsport. Thank
1: you. From 2006, Mark Wahlberg's Invincible. Good movie. Very good movie. But Bloodsport to me is more fun.
0: It is more fun, Eric. But I, I'm going to take Invincible here just because I like the movie. A little
1: Gosh darn it. You're four or five, man. You're really on a roll today. Bloodsport falls from 24 to 26. <laughs> Fell two spots.
0: Yeah, we're still in the 20s, though. That's all right.
1: All right. Up next is Kingpin from 1996. Let's re-rank him. First up from 1985, Teen Wolf,
0: give me Kingpin. Yeah, I'm with you, Kingpin, here.
1: Cars from 2006. I'm still going with Kingpin.
0: Yeah, I've got Kingpin as well.
1: From 2019, Ford v Ferrari. Ooh. Uh, I gotta go Ford v Ferrari. Here. I'm gonna agree with you this time on that one. From 2006, Invincible. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, take Kingpin.
0: I'm gonna take Invincible again.
1: Here we go. Heads. All right. From 2022, the new one, Adam Sandler's Hustle. Ah. I- Wow, I that was, really like it was a so good. It was a good movie, but I think I'm gonna take Kingpin.
0: Yeah, I am as well.
1: All right, here's one you love from 2004, Million Dollar Baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take Million Dollar Baby here. I'm I mean, gonna,
1: let's flip for it. Tails, you win again. Million Dollar Baby gets the win. From 2004, Friday Night Lights. Now oh, i Friday, Friday Night Lights. Lights. All right. Kingpin falls from 18 to 20, so it fell two spots as well. So, there you have it. Those are our four uh, losers this week that either got ranked or re-ranked, Chris.
0: All right, so... Next week, we start the Elite Eight. Then and that's we're getting down there, man.
1: Yeah, one matchup from every bracket, and then it'll be the final four in the championship. Week of the championship will also be our award show. And uh, so we basically have three more shows for this season, Chris, and then we will be back after football's over.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And that brings us to this week's movie, which, as I told you last time, Eric, is going to be Jim Cotta. <music> Could you tell us a little bit about the statistics on Jim Cotta?
1: So, so <clears throat> Jim Cotta, let's, let's break this down. This, this film, believe it or not, Chris had a budget of 4 million. I didn't see 4 million in, on screen, but it had a budget of 4 million. And here's what it did in the box office. Are you ready for this? Oh, lay it on me. 5.7 million.
0: Hey, it made money.
1: It made money, man. And what's really hilarious is this movie, the more studying I did about it, it actually has a cult following from people. So yeah. it's 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 an interesting, interesting take on I mean, you know, I, I guess before we dive into it and, and and more of the information here, I guess the best way for me to describe this film is Hunger Games meets um meets the Olympics meets martial arts and some you, Eric, weird way
0: i had this and actually i was i was going to mention this it's in my notes i had a, my uh, analogy was if karate kid 2 and the hunger games had an ugly baby this would be
1: <laughs> that is a perfect description uh, jim Cotta was written by charles robert carner it was directed by robert klaus it was produced by MGM and distributed by MGM. The music was conducted by Alfie Cabijo, and the main actors were Kurt Thomas, Tetchi Agbayani, Richard Norton, Edward Michael Bell, John Barrett, and Bob Schott. Current Flick chart uh, stats for Jim Kata has a global ranking of 15,251. It wins 32% of its matchups. It's 355 total users have ranked it. It's been ranked a total of 4,615 times. And look, and get this, Chris. I wonder one, who
0: the one user was. <laughs>
1: one has it at number one. That same person is the only one who has it in their top 20. And I believe it's got to be Kurt Thomas.
0: It's, it's somebody who was in the uh, cast, without a doubt.
1: Without a doubt. I'm There's
0: sure no other saying. explanation for it.
1: Yeah and if it is Kurt Thomas it'll forever be number 1 on his flick chart because he has unfortunately passed away passed away a few years ago but uh he laid on me Chris let's let's dive into Jim Kata and and describe this I won't call it a train wreck but I will call it it's it is a movie you can't keep your eyes off and it's not because it's a train wreck it is just the most unique thing I've ever seen I guess I'll put it to you that way it is really unique
0: We'll go with that. Okay, so the film opens with a little bit of ominous music and a slow-motion performance of uh, gymnastics by U.S. gymnast Jonathan Cabot. He's doing a routine. Randomly, we see some clips of a man running for his life as he is chased through the woods by soldiers on horseback. As he attempts to traverse a gorge on a rope hanging overhead, We learn that this is Colonel Cabot, who happens to be Jonathan's father, and he is competing in the game. Zamir, who is the leader of the band of soldiers, shoots Cabot with an arrow, seemingly sending him crashing to his death. We then jump back to the gymnastics competition, where the younger Cabot has just completed his routine. After this, we catch up with Jonathan, who is at his home, and he's speaking with Special Intelligence Agent Paley. Now, Paley informs Cabot he's about to go through extensive training to prepare him to compete in the game. The agent further explains the reason for this assignment, which is to secure a prime strategic location for a satellite monitoring station for the new Star Wars missile defense system. And, Eric, I'm actually old enough to remember when they started doing all the Star Wars missile defense. (laughs) Anyhow. Cabot then is told that the Khan, who is the leader of Parmistan, is under siege from within his own ranks, and that his lead advisor, Zamir, plans to overthrow the Khan and sell the location to our adversaries. This is when Paley reveals that Cabot must win the game. Every outsider who enters Parmistan must play the game. And the winner of the game is awarded his life and a single wish. However, no outsider has won the game in over 900 years. And those who lose, well, they don't live to tell about it. According to the agent, Colonel Cabot was hampered by a lack of knowledge of the game. But that's okay because they have brought in an expert to help Jonathan with his training. The Princess Rubella of Parmistan, who, well, Eric, she really makes uh, quite an impression on young Jonathan when she meets him for the first time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can say that.
0: <laughs> uh, the next several minutes of the film are kind of dedicated to a training montage where we see the development of Cabot's skills, as well as a budding romance between Cabot and the princess. And Honestly, Eric, that pretty much covers up or covers the introductory portion of the movie. I found that this movie, the first two portions of this movie went really fast. It was actually the game portion of this movie, which was a, a big chunk of the movie. I mean, we're talking 45 minutes of the hour and a half movie was dedicated to the game. Mm-hmm. So that covers the first portion of the movie. What did you think of that portion of
1: the movie? All right. So I, I actually wrote some things down because I wanted to – when I watched this the first time – are you ready for this, Chris? Yes. My wife watched it with me. How <laughs> 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 is like the – yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure when the next time she sees you, she said – she's going to look at you and say, I will never forgive you for taking away from me an hour and 45 minutes of my life that I will never get back. <laughs> <I> She'll <should> probably <laughs> word it to you, but she looked over at me and she said to me, how in the world is this a sports movie? I go, did you not see the opening scene?
0: We've got the athletic competition, which as the con you know, points out is also an endurance competition at the end. So yeah,
1: How about the training montages? Are with her looking out from the window in like a lustful yet judgmental way? Because she, (laughs) she, I just there's so many things in this movie where I'm like, okay, like man, they really rushed through that. Like because you could tell like uh, out of that four million in the budget, Chris, three million of that was basically, you know, the game. (laughs) So
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, without a doubt, like I said, it's the majority of the movie,
1: yeah, so they really rush through the the introductory pieces and parts and and what cracks me up about this movie is the is the whole emphasis behind it, like you said, is to go on is to send him as like a secret agent, like yeah. he's like he's like a secret agent and like infiltrating this fictitious country for the United States. It's like it's so. Unbelievable (laughs) that it's quite humorous, but it works, I guess. You know.
0: Well, you know, it does to some extent, and and let me tell you, this was just about the timing. This was about the era when this movie was made. It really is. I think I think that's the only reason that that concept works. Okay.
1: I I mean, the 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 idea of there being a game where you are you are the prey being hunted for sport is yeah. not a new concept. No, that's been done in several movies. Oh, it's, it's been around for a, a long, long time. Well, before the hunger games, even, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: And I know that Netflix has that, that new, uh, Korean movie that is, is similar where it's like a mix between hunger games and, uh, what's that horror movie where you have to, get out of different traps i can't remember i'm not a big fan of them um jigsaw's the the oh, saw saw thank you um but i mean this this concept has been around for a long long time in movies and in, and stories and books so that to me is it didn't surprise me and it's and i thought they did it Tastefully and tactfully, well, in all honesty, there are times where movies like that are just, it's just, they're just grotesque.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, so after this, uh, after the training, the two travel to Caribald, uh, uh whatever the port city there is on the Caspian Sea. I'm sure I'm stating it wrong. This is where we first encounter the stork. Uh, Now, the stork meets Jonathan and the princess and takes them to a training and development center, uh, which is also kind of serving as their safe house. He tells them they leave tomorrow and suggests, yeah, they take a night out on the town. They're escorted by two agents. Uh, They're out exploring Caribou and they're attacked. Both guards are killed, and the princess is kidnapped. So, Cabot goes back to the safe house to inform the stork of what's occurred. And he vows that he's going to save the princess, despite Stork's objection and telling him, you know, this this isn't going to work. This guy's a, a you know mob boss. You know, you're not going to break into this you know stronghold. But despite his objections, you know, Jonathan says, "Listen, be ready for two of us when I return." So he goes out, he finds the princess in what is basically, just as as it was described, a gang stronghold. He fights his way in. He rescues her. He kills the mob boss. And then we get this great harrowing escape through the streets of Caribou while being chased by men, shooting at him from around every corner. Now, these armed assailants have worse aim than stormtroopers, let me tell you. These guys are shooting everything in town, but their targets. When the police finally show up and they drop one of the bad guys with one shot. And this allows the pair to escape back to the safe house. When they arrive there, the stork is armed and lets them in. Cabot lets stork know exactly what was going on, that they were, you know, they were alerted. They were ready for him. They knew he was coming. And then he notices, hey, nothing's packed. You know, and he's like, what's going on? Well, Cabot and the princess realize that Stork is actually not a bird, but a rat, and that he was the one who set them up. Thankfully, Agent Paley is there, and he kills the Stork before he can kill them. So then the princess and Cabot leave for Parmistan, and they got to travel, and I love this, Eric, because they have to travel by pack mule, and then they have to do a little... Uh, you know, white water rafting.
1: Yeah, got to get another
0: sport in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to reach their destination. Well, when they finally reach the shores of Parmistan, Zemir's soldiers are waiting for them. The soldiers attack Cabot, who holds them off for some time before being hit over the head and knocked out. Cabot awa- awakes, and I love this, he awakes to this just happy as anything, toothless, tongueless woman just smiling at him. And we we meet Zemir, actually, for the first time where we really, you know, have him come and introduce himself. And, and we get to experience him a little bit there. The next morning, he meets with the Khan, who's explaining the, partici- uh, the rules of the game to the participants. Of course, the Khan warns them that anyone cheating will be killed immediately. After meeting the Khan, con, the contestants are shown the course by Zamir. As three criminals race for their freedom, Zamir leads the contestants to the swamp, which is the first obstacle. You know, Cabot sees one of these guys struggling, wants to help him out, but he's told if he, you know, tries to help him out, both he and the criminal will be killed. At the ne- next obstacle, which was a 200-foot rope climb, one of the shoot- soldiers shoots a second criminal with an arrow and the criminal falls down. Zemir orders a soldier to kill him, only the soldier kills the first soldier because he violated the rules of the game by killing a contestant who had moved on to the next level. Now, at this point, maybe we're thinking, okay, this Zemir isn't such a bad guy. He's playing by the rules a little bit. Uh, As we find out, though, as we uh, reach the next stage of the game, when the third prisoner is killed, A soldier can kill a contestant as long as the combatant and the contestant are on the same stage of the game. Following the prisoner's game, the contestants are uh, back at the palace for a banquet prior to their match. The Khan speaks and congratulates the competitors on their journey. Jonathan asks about his father, and the Khan stated that while he's a valiant warrior... He failed to win the game, and that's why he wasn't at the champion's table. The Khan also announces the engagement of the Princess Rubali to Zamir at the banquet. And instantly, Eric, there's a little bit of tension between those three. Mm-hmm. At the banquet, we are also introduced to Thorg, which I just love that name, Thorg. He's a mammoth competitor who was a former Olympian and is there to compete in the game as well. During the feast, Zemir, who is now trying to lay claim to the princess Rubali, attempts to intimidate Cabot a little bit by uh, throwing—and I cannot tell you what those weapons are called—but he stuck them in the wall right by his head. After the banquet, Cabot Cabot uh, is in his room and then forces the toothless servant to take him to the princess at knife point. He has her deliver a message to Rubali to meet him, and they meet. In the moonlight, in the garden, in that romantic, Eric, where she tells him all about Zamir and tries to convince him not to play the game. So, Eric, that pretty much leads us up to the majority of the movie, which is the game. Now, aside from being somewhat slow and at times pointless, what was your opinion of that second portion of the movie? I would say
1: that portion of the movie can be summed up in one one description, and that would be Zamir's ponytail.
0: Yeah, gotcha, actually, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, I, I I mean, there was again, what's the whole secret agent thing all about? I'm like, I I literally watched this movie twice, and I still don't understand what that's all about. I I just, I mean, it's pointless. But uh, that's beside the point. Um, I I. I, I, I when we finally get the thing going, it's entertaining. But man, did it take a, a while to get here? Um, and again, some of the some of the story behind that is just doesn't make sense or is irrelevant. To I just
0: want to know how these guys could not kill these guys running through these tiny little alleyways. I mean, come on! They to use at least four or five hundred rounds trying to shoot these guys, <laughs> and they miss every shot.
1: It, every one of them, man. I got to believe that they used a lot of extras multiple times, too, because as you get into the end of the game, I'm pretty sure a lot of them were also in the village. So. Well, uh,
0: if you, I'll tell you something interesting about that. If you look up on IMDb, I believe they only have 15 credited cast members.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I would say that you're absolutely right there. All right, so let's jump into the meat of this movie, which is the game, and it definitely takes you know, up the pace a little bit with that. Uh, as I said, this is definitely the largest portion of the movie, but it's also the most action-packed. So the contestants are prepared to begin. Zamir warns Jonathan that, uh, you know, death becomes him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of an ominous way to start out your race, isn't it? Yeah. So after the Khan starts the race, Zemir leads his soldiers into battle with the contestants prior to the Khan giving his order. Zamir has his soldiers hunting for Cabot, ordering them to find him and stating, I want him. Cabot's running through the swamp and sees an injured competitor who he warns to run, but who is pretty much instantly killed. As Jonathan begins the second stage, which is the 200-foot rope climb, another competitor, competitor is shot by an arrow and falls to his death. Zamir, who is not on the same level of the game, does not shoot Cabot. So, again, I'm thinking maybe this guy isn't so bad, but you know what? He's going to go ahead and set the rope on fire instead. Cabot succeeds in getting to the next stage of the game and tries to get the officiating soldier to kill Zamir and his squad for breaking the rules, but, you know, that's just not going to happen. At this point, we jump over to the gorge where we see Thor, Gomez, and ha- How. I'll make it across while another competitor is killed by crossing as Cabot arrives at the gorge. Zemir attempts to kill him by cutting the rope he was crossing on, but you know what he was close enough to the side to the top where he could just climb up the side of the mountain face and use his martial arts skills when he gets to the top to you know dispose of the soldier who was going to try to kill him when he got there. Meanwhile, Hal and Thorg are battling over near the river. A fight Thor ultimately wins. Dispatching of Hal by choking him out with his belt. In the woods, Thor and Cabot uh, are fighting when Cabot avoids a soldier's arrow, which nails Thor right in the chest and makes it possible for Jonathan to escape to the asylum town. <laughs> now, I love this asylum town, by the way. This might be the highlight of the movie. Are these
1: are these supposed to be zombies or cannibals or
0: I wh- they, what, that what town is this town? For the criminally insane. So I guess my answer to that would be yes. <laughs> they are Both. mutant zombie cannibals, I believe. I don't know. All I know is the one part there where the dog is looking up dude's blood. A little creepy. A little bit. Anyhow. Cabot races into the village of the crazies. Zamir sees him go in and says, uh, he's never going to get out alive. As soon as he enters the village, we hear the door shut behind him. And shortly thereafter, he's attacked by someone who, after failing to kill him, decides to just go ahead and chop his own arm off. Yeah. A little twisted. I'm not sure exactly how the hand hung onto that bar. But, you know, I, I mean, The the physics of it are mind-boggling, I guess. Numerous battles occur between Jonathan and the residents. And then, of course, we have the return of Thorg. He chases Cabot through the city and into a pig pen, where Cabot is able to escape after he knocks Thorg down and climbs out a window. Thorg then succumbs to the villagers, who start stabbing him with pitchforks as he lays on the ground under the pigs. And then I don't know if you noticed it, Eric, but the pigs then decide yep. to go ahead and just have themselves a little buffet of Thorg.
1: Yeah, yeah. The pigs are What's having thorg, thorg for dinner.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So Cabot's escaped, but he's running through the, the streets of the town and eventually is surrounded and attacked by what I'm just going to call the crazies. He escapes by climbing up a wall in an alleyway and wedging himself. Well, into uh,
1: you got to tell how he escapes, though. With the pommel horse uh, Olympic uh, yes. karate scene?
0: <laughs> I, it's it's something that the viewers will just have to behold for themselves, Eric. Let me tell you. The, the, the martial arts slash gymnastics of this movie are something you just have to see for yourself. I I cannot do it justice, speaking of it. No. It's unique. So... He sees a soldier above him. He's got the crazies below him. But the soldier reaches out a hand to help him. He pulls him up onto the roof, and it's revealed that the soldier is actually his father in disguise. Don't you love somewhat happy things, Eric? Well, he helps Jonathan escape the village. <laughs> yeah. While back in the palace, the princess is trying to convince the Khan that Zemir is trying to overtake him. Rubali tells the Khan, you know what? The Americans are our only hope. I'm going to go help him. As the colonel's explaining to Jonathan just how he managed to survive his fall, Zamir and his men track him down, and Zamir shoots his father in the back with an arrow again.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's just like, you're not dead. Oh, you're dead.
0: (laughs) So... Jonathan tracks down one of Zamir's men and, you know, kills him and steals his horse, leading to a great chase on horseback. And Jonathan eludes the majority of the forces by jumping over a gorge with the horse, and only Zamir is man enough to follow him. Of course, this leads to a one-on-one confrontation between the two where Jonathan dispatches of Zamir. At this point, the Khan and the princess are fighting off Zemir's forces in the palace, and the Khan denounces these guys to the entire kingdom as traitors, and the crowd overtakes them. As the fight rages on, Eric, it's announced that the winners are coming, and we see Jonathan and Colonel Cabot arriving on horseback, and in true 80s cheesy movie fashion, Rubali runs down to hop on the horse, give him a kiss, and congratulate him. A caption on the screen lets us know that the u s got their sk- satellite station as the credit rolls credits roll so eric i am going to get my thoughts on this real quick, so the movie is packed with some pretty you know, pretty interesting action, and i you know I do kind of like it like you said it does have a bit of a cult following it's definitely cheesy eighties over the top, but i you know I like it now I felt this movie coming. And when it did, near the kind of the culmination of the Cold War, in the midst of the the U.S. Russian nuclear arms race, they they really capitalized well and tried to integrate it into the plot. But man, they lost it. They they lost what could have been a valuable piece of it, and and I guess more the lack of plot. Um, I thought the premise of the love story was good, and honestly, the love story I think they played it right. It was just enough that it was there, but didn't overshadow the storyline. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I, I kind of felt this movie was like what you get if the Karate Kid 2 and the Hunger Games had an ugly kid. Uh, my biggest issue is it really left a lot unanswered. Whatever happened to, you know, to Jonathan Ribali, you know, whatever happened to the Colonel, did he end up finally dropping dead from his like 17th arrow shot or whatever? Yeah. You, know? uh, you know, did uh, whatever happened to to, to Parmistan? I mean, is the fictional country still thriving strong? Do they have a good economy? I don't know. Uh, You know, I mean, I just felt that the the way it ended left me unsatisfied. You know, I'm making a little fun of it, but really it did. It left me a little unsatisfied the way it ended. Um, I I, could have just used a little more closure. Overall, not the worst movie we've ever done here on Varsity Videos. But definitely not the best. Eric, what were your thoughts?
1: I will let the Duke of Omnium on uh, Flickchart allow my allow his statement to be my final thoughts. Jim Cotta is the sleaziest, guiltiest of pleasures. <laughs> I think that pretty much says it all. <laughs> It's uh it is unique and It
0: is. And and you know, I can definitely see how it got its cult following.
1: I did I do too. I did too. It's one that if I were to if I had nothing else to do and I'd flip around on TV and it was like say on Turner Classic Movies or something,
0: I'd probably it was keep, recently. I'd probably just keep watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's one of those it it's Yeah, it, it is kind of a train wreck. It really It really is. But just like a train wreck, you can't turn your eyes away.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, Eric, that was this week's movie. Let's go ahead and throw it in our quick chart and see just where it lands. Let's do it. Among the films.
1: I already have it loaded up. So, let's get going. So, Jim Cotta was from 1985, and its first matchup is on another 1985 film, Teen Wolf. I think you know which one I'm
0: picking. And, Eric. I'm, I'm going to throw it to you here man I can't even take I can't even bury Teen Wolf with this one
1: Yeah uh, no way Alright from 1971 Brian's song
0: You know I, I really like Brian's song As as TV movies go It's pretty good But I think I'm going to take Jim Cotta <laughs> Oh
1: boy Making me flip all on the second one already Oh boy here we go Tales. jim Cotta gets the win all right from 2012 clint eastwood's trouble with the curve oh trouble with the curve easily yeah all right from 1993 searching for bobby fisher
0: you know bobby fisher is by far the better movie but i'm gonna take jim Cotta just because oh. i fall asleep 15 minutes into bobby fisher every time i try okay
1: to- okay Let's flip for it.
0: Oh no! Corner went rolling. Let's
1: let's try this again, shall we? Let me reach down here and, and try it again. And this one landed on my keyboard. Here we go. Tails, Jim Cotta it is. Oh Lord, what are we doing? This is
0: gonna be so overrated.
1: From nineteen ninety three, Rookie of the Year.
0: Uh yeah, Rookie of the Year is just a charming movie. I'm gonna take it here.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You're hurting me today, Chris, so bad right now. From 1991, Necessary Roughness.
0: Ah, Necessary Roughness. Easily. Give me a little some bad. All
1: right, the remake from 2005, Bad News Bears. So the new one, the remake. So this is Billy Bob. Is Billy Bob Thornton? Yep. Give me bad.
0: Yeah, News. Give me Billy Bob. I gotta take Billy
1: Bob. Jim Cotta, since at number 91. There you go, man. I can't man. it
0: later than the top 100.
1: Yeah, so here are, here are movies 90 through 100. Number 90, Bad News Bears for 2005. 91, Jim Cotta. 92, Searching for Bobby Fischer. 93, The Bad News Bears, the second one. I can't remember what that one's called. 94, Heaven Can Wait. 95, The Flying Scotsman. 96, Semi-Pro. That seems underrated to me. 97, When the Game Stands Tall or Stands Still. 98, the greatest game ever played. And 99, Race. That also seems underrated. 100, Little yeah. Giants. That seems underrated.
0: 97 through 100 seem like they should be more flipped with the top of that bracket. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that 90 through 96, I have no problem sliding all of those down another notch or two. Yeah.
1: All right, Chris. Uh, it's a good time to update our flick chart statistics. Um we, we, we started this uh, in um, May of 2021, our our flick chart, that is. We've had 344 profile views. We've done 880 rankings on 133 movies. And we've watched a total of 10 days, 8 hours, and 19 minutes but watching sports movies.
0: That seems a little low to me, Eric.
1: Well, for 133 movies, yeah, it's about an hour and 45 minutes a movie, probably, somewhere around in there.
0: Yeah, that's just what we, we've ranked, though, so far. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Would we, love to see a little more audience participation there, though, I'm not going to lie. Let's get a few more views on that flick chart, guys.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you so, go.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So, Eric... What are we going to be watching?
1: Oh I promise Hopefully you you're going
0: to redeem us here.
1: I promise you it's no Jim Cata. I promise you. All right. So here let me give you the backstory for this film because when you watch this, Chris, I swear to you, you are going to tell me how does this how has this film been so overlooked? Okay. It is a newer film. It is from 2021. It is a football movie. It is a movie that uh, since it's, we're, we're getting ready to start football here in a few weeks, I wanted you to watch this movie before football started because I think it is charming. It is um, challenging, and it is, I, I think, brilliantly made to the point where I have no idea why this film was not watched. The only thing I can come up with is that it came out – it, it came, was in theaters when – covid was happening and no one could go watch it and it just got overlooked because it's made it's got a a powerful cast it's got a great story it's based on a true story and it's got a great um studio behind it as well so we are going to be watching from 2021 12 mighty orphans I
0: have heard many good things about this movie, Eric.
1: You've got a cast of Luke Wilson, Vanessa Shaw, Wayne Knight, Martin Sheen, and a cast of young men who are just brilliant. Uh, Ron, The comedian Ron White is in this, although he's not a comedian. This is a brilliant, and I don't use that word very often, but this is a brilliant movie, Chris.
0: Are you it, using the word brilliant in a movie that's associated with Ron White and Newman? Yeah, can you believe that? I know it. It
1: is. It is fantastic. I'm so excited for you to watch this. Uh, watch this movie. It is rated uh, rated PG-13. Um, it's not necessarily one that you want the kids to watch because there are some adult uh themes uh and some themes uh that are tough to swallow because uh, you know they're just they're historically accurate it's gonna make you kind of kind of you know cringe but it's it's based on a true story and it is absolutely awesome so i cannot wait for our next episode to to go over 12 mighty orphans
0: Well, that sounds awesome, Eric. And that does it for today's show. Remember to please rank and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcast. Also, make sure you are following us on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash videos. Until next time, see you at the field, on the court, and in the theater. Have a good night, everyone.
1: Good night, everybody.